are listening to Sports and More with Chris and Tom. Welcome back. It's the guy with the face for radio and the voice for a silent movie. This is Sports and More with Chris and Tom. I am Chris and Tom is obviously not here. He's on the because it's just me, myself, and I on the show. And as probably all of you know, Tom is on sabbatical right now because his wife just yesterday gave birth to their second child, Ezra Philip Zachary Thompson, their second boy. He is a little one. He's a cutie. He is very healthy at 8 pounds, 2 ounces, 19 inches long. A mother and child are in excellent, excellent health, which is great news for everyone involved and great for all of us to hear. And this means that for about a month or so, you have Chris running the show. Tom is going to be in, is going to be out, which means I will be doing whatever I feel like doing, and or do my uh, best ever Palpatine voice. I am this it. Don't worry, the show will go on, and I will try not to go roughshod and just do whatever I feel like and skip over topics Tom wants to talk about, because it is my duty, and yes, duty does mean poo to continue on with the show in Tom's absence. And yes, I know I use that phrase a lot. I use duty goes poo. I will keep using it because it is funny to me because I have the humor of a five-year-old sometimes or the humor of a British person. Depends on how we're doing that day. And let's just get this started. We're going to be talking about Super Bowl 55 because we had to review it because everyone else has. And it's going to be interesting because I really, really... Tom and I hyped the Super Bowl up. We were excited. We were ecstatic. We thought it was going to be a fantastic Super Bowl. And then it was a dud. The Tampa Bay Gronkineers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9 in Super Bowl 55. And as Tom and I both predicted, we thought the Bucs would win that game. But unfortunately, the game was a lot farther apart than we anticipated. And there's really three big things I took away from this game that people should probably remember. And one is that TV and big internet football analysts, I say big internet people like the Pat McAfee show, stuff like that, because they're... Not quote-unquote mainstream, but they're like the big internet shows, what we would like to be in the long run. And some of them are the dumbest people on planet Earth. I mean, they, almost all of them, to a man or a woman, selected the Chiefs to beat the Bucks, And they apparently forgot how important O-lines are in football. They forgot that you need two tackles. They forgot those are necessary for the game to be good. And they're and this is not to take away from the fact that they're that the Chiefs were, were without their linebackers coach and Andy Reid's uh, son, who was suspended for from the team due to a drunk driving incident that uh, it placed a baby in critical condition. So I'm not discounting that as having a major effect on the team, but it was. Uh, I don't think that's the biggest problem. I think the problem was the two tackles were missing and the big football people missed that and were not intelligent enough to notice something simple. And Michael Irvin points out something that Tom and I both forgot about, that there's no way, no way in H-E double hockey sticks that the uh, that the Bucks were going to let the Chiefs roll up into their house and beat them in the Super Bowl. There's no way, no way, no way they're going to let that happen. As, as a competitor, you cannot let that happen because it is just the most devastating thing on the planet to allow a team to roll up into your house and win a title on your, in your house. As someone who's watched a team celebrate a regional championship in baseball, high school baseball, albeit, on in your on your field, and then winning a conference, a regional title on someone else's field, I have to be honest with all y'all. 
it was a lot worse watching another team go into my onto my field. I was a backup, wasn't playing, but still, as I'm on the team, it felt worse watching the team go on my field and beat us. And it felt worse. I felt worse than winning on their field. I it just that's just how it is sometimes with competitors. Sometimes I don't know if you guys are that way, but the loss stings a lot worse than the wins feel good. Second thing I thought of was Todd Bowles show that Tigers really can change their stripes because that defense went from a team that blitzed 45% of the time during the season to a team that blitzed on 5 of 52 drop picks for Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, because I'm looking from one screen to the other trying to keep track of everything. Sorry if it's a little annoying that I'm not looking at you guys because I had to look at my notes to remind myself some of the things I might forget. And he didn't have to blitz. One of the reasons why Todd Bowles didn't blitz as much was because that D-line was feasting on that depleted Chiefs O-line. They were they hurried him 29 of the 52 times. 29 of 52 times Mahomes dropped back. He was hurried. Think about that. That's more than 50% of the time he was hurried, and that's a Super Bowl record, actually. He was hurried at a historical rate in the Super Bowl. It was shocking to watch. He still made some incredible plays, but he was running for his life, and it was hard to watch. And the Bucks essentially went into cover two, two cities at, at top at all times, just saying, no, no, no. You're not going over the top of us. And then everyone else was playing press man, just pushing the huge receivers around underneath and within the first five yards, obviously, and just saying, come get some. We're going to be physical with you all day, all night, and we're not going to let you go over the top of us. And it was smart to watch. As a defensive guy, as a guy who likes defensive football, I watched it and said, finally someone figured out that's all you had to do. It wasn't that complicated. It's just that if it was one, it was whether or not a defensive corner had the cojones to stick with it for the whole 60 minutes, and Todd Bowles did. Finally, let's stop talking about whether or not Patrick Mahomes is going to catch Tom Brady. It's over. It's done. Tom Brady has said bye bye. I got 20 plus years as the goat for sure. It won't be until someone else comes along that passes me. Um, Tom Mahomes needs this win a lot more than Brady did because Brady's already got six rings, already has all the stats, all these records, all this history on his side. Mahomes needed this win so that if he falls short of the rings or ties Brady in the rings and has the numbers above Brady, he can at least say to everyone, yeah, Brady might have more rings than me or might have more wins, something like that, but I beat Tom in the Super Bowl. And that might be the trump card he needed. Tom since you said, nah, it's over, it's done, he's killed it. Mahomes can no longer, in my estimation, ascend past Brady in his career unless he wins eight rings. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I, I just don't see it. In fact, Brady's won seven, he's 43 years old, has played in the league for 20 plus years is ridiculous. Uh, there, I don't know how you can pass him. I don't know if it's possible at this point for any quarterback to do so. Which, again, reminds me of all these NFL people picking against Brady, which is just the dumbest thing on the planet. And some of the, the prime time, Deion Sanders likes to say, he says, I always tell my friends, don't you ever bet against that man, Tom Brady. I mean, come on, people. It's Tom Brady. It's Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. You don't bet against that man, not for any reason on the planet. So those are the three points that I got out of the Super Bowl. I know you guys have probably heard every other talking point from the Super Bowl, from Rich Eisen's show, from Colin Cowherd's show. With It's actually been Nick Wrong on the show instead of Colin. Colin's on vacation because he's done the NFL playoffs. Uh, you've probably heard MSESPN talk about it. You've probably heard everyone else, the Pat McAfee show, talk about it. 
But also just my my two cents in there, and just a fan's perspective on how this went down and what I thought happened. And the Bucks are going to run this back and probably be contenders again next year. I don't know if they win it again next year. It's hard to go back-to-back, -back, as we just saw. The Chiefs went to Super Bowl back-to-back -back years and lost. Seahawks have done the same thing. Uh, the last thing to do back-to-back -back was the Patriots under who? Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So we'll see what happens. And this goes into a topic that I wanted to discuss last week on our Super Bowl preview show, but we just didn't have time for because Tom and I went on an hour and ten long conversation, just us talking about the Super Bowl, so we just felt like it was going to be pushing you know, a topic in there. So I wanted to give you guys my top five Super Bowls I've ever watched. I've watched the last 22 consecutive Super Bowls. Actually, 23 at this point, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen the last 23 consecutive Super Bowls. Um, from the from a time I was about five or six years old to now, it's actually kind of fun to think about. I've watched, I've seen 22 or 23 Super Bowls. It actually is my 22nd Super Bowl. Sorry, just had to do some math in my head there. And 10 of those have included Tom Brady, which is kind of ridiculous to think about that. Nearly 50% of the Super Bowls I've watched have had Tom Brady in them. So people younger than me, you probably see Tom Brady in every other Super Bowl and you're tired of it. And I'm kind of cool with it. But this Super Bowl I was hoping would be in this conversation, but it was a dud in my estimation. So it did not make this list. But here are the five that made my list. Number five being Super Bowl 36. The Patriots over the St. Louis Rams 2017, the birth of the dynasty and of the GOAT Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. That's my number five Super Bowl I've ever watched of all time. It was a fun Super Bowl. It was the greatest show on turf, who I believe were like 10 to 14 point favorites going into the game. It was a some ridiculous line that Patriots ended up winning that game. It was a great game, one of the best games of, I've ever watched. And number four in the Super Bowl, what do we have again? Another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Sorry, guys. When he's in 10 of the 22 Super Bowls you've watched, you're going to have a lot of Tom Brady games in there. This is Super Bowl 49. This is the Patriots 28, Seattle 24, and the give the ball to Marshawn Lynch game, as it's called, or the Malcolm Butler interception, depending on who you talk to. I remember watching the Super Bowl in college. I believe it was my senior year of college with uh, Tom. Uh, our friend Nathan was in the room. There's a few other people in the room, and we're watching the Super Bowl, and we're like, Tom Brady's just going to make a comeback again, which he did, of course. And then finally, the Seahawks come back down the field with a miraculous, miraculous catch that, of course, happens in every Patriots Super Bowl. And then they get down, they get the ball down to the two-yard line. And what do the Seahawks do? They turn around and hand the ball off to who? Not Marshall Lynch. They have Russell Wilson drop back, throw the ball, and gets picked off to end the game, leaving everyone in the room dumbfounded. Me celebrating because I'm a huge Brady fan. But other than that, everyone was just like, oh, gosh, what just happened? It made no football sense. It makes no football sense to this day what happened on that day. Dang near six, oh, six years ago now. Jeez, it's a long time. But my number three Super Bowl, this is, is one that gets severely, criminally, if I may say so myself, underrated. Super Bowl 43, Pittsburgh Steelers 27 over the Arizona Cardinals 23 with the San Antonio Holmes tiptoe in the corner of the end zone touchdown grab. I believe I was a sophomore in college. If, uh, high school, my, my memory serving me correctly, it was one of the best games. I've, I, again, this is one that's criminally under, underrated because no one cares about the Cardinals, but that was the Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, Steve Breston offense that went toe-for-toe with the Seals, and if it wasn't for a Warner pick six at the end of the first half, Cardinals might win that football game, and that is crazy thing, but like, I played it having a halftime almost... 
and he changed all the game around. And you also had the miraculous Kurt, uh, Larry Fitzgerald running, sprinting 50 yards downfield after a catch and run. He dreadlocked flowing the wind, and that could have been the image of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl but instead it is the Santa Holmes tiptoe in the corner of the end zone catch, and that is the actual memory that we all have where Ben Roethlisberger somehow fit the ball between three guy, three uh, Cardinal defenders and got the ball to Santa Holmes. I still don't know how he got his two toes inbounds. I, I, I will never understand how that physically works because it was just insane to watch. Number two on my list. So another one Tom and I watched together. I think this was with, with all his bachelor part, party bros. I also have Aaron Trump because he was not in Springfield at the time. Super Bowl 51, Patriots 34, Falcons 28, and OT, the first Super Bowl to go into OT, and one that's remembered for 28-3. The Falcons were up 28-3. None of us were paying attention to the game at that point. We all had it on, but we were all like on our phones or chit-chatting. And then we look up, and the Pets were catching up. They're only down by a score. What the heck's happening? They're closing the gap. And next thing you know, it's a tie game. And we're going crazy because somehow, some way, the Patriots had tied the game. Tom Brady tied that football game. It is the best comeback ever watched in football history. It probably will be for a long time. It's the best comeback in Super Bowl history, clearly. And it also, as you remember from one of my favorite moments, the Julian Edelman catch, where a ball gets tipped up the air. He somehow catches the ball above the, bro- the blades of grass or the turf. And somehow he takes his hands under the football before it's the ground. And I remember that play again because everyone in the room saying, saying, there's no way that's a catch. And I'm sitting there going, guys, it's a Super Bowl. It's got to be a catch. Those are always a catch in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter how improbable it is. It will be a catch because it is a Super Bowl and there's no other reason for it. And what do you know on replay? He did catch it. It's just a crazy thing to think about that. A play that shouldn't work in a regular game will work in the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. That's the only logic I can give you for it. And finally, my favorite Super Bowl of all time, Super Bowl 34, St. Louis Rams 23, Tennessee Titans 16. This, this is the first Super Bowl I've ever watched in my life, and I remember for one yard short. That was one yard short. The play where Steve McNair dropped back through the ball, I believe it was to Kevin Dyson, Cut, caught the ball, he tried to stretch, stretch for the end zone, and got tackled one yard short, ending the game on a last-second go-for-broke touchdown. It was one of the greatest moments I've ever watched. I don't care about it. I don't want to see a field goal at the end of the game uh, be the deciding factor. Those are epic, but a touchdown to tie the game for us overtime, oh, it was close. Steve McNair was on fire that game. It was a show. Steve Mc, that's why Steve McNair is still one of my favorite quarterbacks I've ever watched in my lifetime because he was a superhuman athlete. I remember the play before that he literally threw a, a defensive lineman on the ground, popped himself back up, and threw the football 20 yards on the field on a strike, and he was just ridiculously talented. Hello, Master Ball, and I have seen your post, Tom. I'm just trying to keep rolling and not get distracted by all the comments, you guys. I'm sorry. It's just how Chris works. If I look at the comments, I won't be focused on what we're trying to get to today in a short Just Crystal episode, which is weird not having something to banter back and forth with. So, Tom, get back soon, buddy. It's a lot more fun with two people doing this stuff. So there you have it. Super Bowl 55 in a nutshell was people are stupid, but Brady is the GOAT. And Super Bowl, uh, Chris's Super Bowl rankings... 255 probably makes like the bottom five. It wasn't that 
exciting. And his favorite is Super Bowl 34, Rams over the Titans. One yard short. I was cheering for the Titans that day. So it was sad to see the Titans lose. But it was an epic, epic Super Bowl. So it's still my favorite of all time. Now to the second topic. I know that Singles Awareness Day or Valentine's Day to all you couples out there is coming up this Sunday. And Singles Awareness Day is the Monday afterwards. As time when I've done with other major holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, the Super Bowl. By the way, the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. We should all get the money at the Super Bowl off from work because no one should be forced to go to work after eating all this food and also probably for some of you drinking some alcoholic beverages. My, I myself do not drink, so eh, I don't really care about that stuff, but I do, but it should be a day off. So I'm going to give you guys a couple thoughts about Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day because we always talk about this stuff and it is my duty. And yes, Tom, duty does mean poo to continue on this tradition even if you are not here physically to talk about this with me. So I'm going to give you guys two different uh, takes. My three things that would make an ideal Valentine's Day if I were in a relationship and things that I currently do on Singles Awareness Day that... I believe if the Jawa is actually watching, I don't think he is, he will go, oh my gosh, I know what's going on. This is fantastic. So this is what I would consider ideal Valentine's Day. And some of you might be expecting me to go with a silly answer like Kevin Malone or Dwight Schrute down the office. And for reference, you guys, Kevin said, my perfect Valentine's Day, uh, pizza, soda, the moon, someone to share it with. And I can't do the uh, Kevin Malone voice. I can't do that voice. I have a terrible time doing that voice. That voice, I apologize to you, all of you. And then Dwight said, My perfect Valentine's Day, I'm at home, three cell phones in front of me, feeling desperate calls from people who want to buy one of the 50 restaurant res reservations I made over six months ago. I'm not going to go there. That's not my ideal Valentine's Day if I was dating someone. So I'm going to give you guys what I think would be a good Valentine's Day. And number one, you have to go to the movies. I know it's cliche and it sounds cliche to say it's cliche, but everyone enjoys a good movie or to go to the movie theater, at least before we had to deal with the COVID pandemic. As Kramer would say, the movie theater. There you go, Master Waldick. I had to get you in there with the theater. And yeah, going to the movies is always a nice thing to do. It's always fun, especially if you're going with a date. After the movies, you got to go have dinner at a nice restaurant. I mean, it, again, I know it's cliche. It's the cliche movie in a, in a restaurant, movie and dinner. But also, if you go to the movie, some people go to the dinner and then the movie. I think that's backwards. That is, as some would say, anus backwards, as, as I would like to clean up for those of you out there. Because if you go to the movie first, you have something to talk about during awkward pauses. And that's something that I, as an intro, introvert, I know I do a podcast. I talk, I talk a lot on the show. But at my core, I'm an introvert, so you had to plan these little escape routes in conversations because you can't be an awkward con conversationalist and you need some outs to create topics. And then third, you need a surprise gift for that special someone. Maybe it's their favorite type of flower or a piece of jewelry or it's something that makes you both laugh because it's the inside joke of the relationship. But that's kind of what you got to do on Valentine's Day. I know those are all like the biggest cliches of all time. I would say go to Wrigley Field, but... There is no baseball being played right now at Wrigley Field. Soldier Field is empty. And even then, they put a they have a UFO on top of it. I, I know those are cool places to go. Go on a romantic walk in the city. But I'm in Springfield right now, people. And I don't know about you, but I don't know too many romantic places, romantic places in Springfield. So I just think dinner, movie, and a nice gift would, is the ideal way to go for Valentine's Day if I was in a relationship. 
But that previous bit is what I would do on a good Valentine's Day if I was dating someone, but that's wishful thinking in my books because it's not happening this year. So here's what goes down on a Singles Awareness Day for Chris. For all you single people out there, here's a little look in the Chris life when he when he's just buying lonesome on Singles Awareness Day. I know all the happy couples out there like Tom and Morgan or Kyle and his lady friend I think that us single people just get depressed and indulge in dull beverages to forget the pain because it's so painful to be single on Singles Awareness Day. Well, um, as some of you may know, I tr- I tend not to dwell on the negative things in like my personal life too much. And now I do dwell on p- culture, politics, the Cubs, the Bears. The Cubs and Bears infuriate me to no end sometimes, and that's kind of where I, you see a lot of the frustration from Chris come out. But for... But for other things, like not dating someone, kind of, yeah, it flies by my mind. Don't really worry about it all that much. Sorry for that tangent. But let's get back. We'll get back on track and get talking, about, well, talking about what Chris does on Singles Awareness Day. And one of the things I like to do is read a book, whether it's Harry Potter or the Percy Jackson series. I don't know why I read those books on Singles Awareness Day. I know what happens in every one of those books. I've read them a thousand and one times. I know Tom's probably going, read a book. Read a book. Who reads a book? I I don't know. I do. I like it. And for some reason, I watch, I read those books, even though I know what happens. They they come for me. I don't know why. And usually I order in some food. Uh, typically, it doesn't matter the holiday. In my estimation, a good holiday has food, unless it's a religious holiday where you're required to fast, in which is, I, apologize, I apologize to all of you who have to fast on ho- religious holidays. Gotta throw that out there because some there are some holidays you fast and there are still good holidays. But in Americana culture, we need food. Uh, yeah, hey Paul, Zach is currently out. He is dealing. His wife just gave birth, so she so he's in in incommunicado. He's out, so he is going to be not on the show for a while because he wants to help his wife out with all the stuff going on. But for me, but going back to Singles Awareness Day, I'll probably order some, I'll probably order pizza, but this year I might go with Portillo's because there's now Portillo's in Springfield, and I love Portillo's, so I'll probably do that. And then shout out to Jao for this third thing I do. I watch Love is Evil by Christopher, by Christopher Titus. It's a funny comedy special like Jao got me hooked on way back when we were uh, freshman in college and watching some, and he just showed me this uh, comedy bit, and I loved every second of it. It's a spoof on love being... Uh, being in a bad relationship, going through a messy divorce, and finding love again. So it's a, it's a good, like, for Singles Awareness, it's a great, like, Debbie Downer. Also the highs of finding someone in your life and going through it. So I, I laugh at it every time. I think it's funny. It has a controversial moment with his inner idiots. I'll clean it up for you guys. But it's it's a funny special. If you haven't seen Christopher Tice, Love is Evil. It's evil is what E-V-O-L is love backwards. It's funny. It's hysterical. You have to watch it. And I enjoy it thoroughly, and I will probably watch it again this year, even though I've seen it for the last, let's see, six years, six, seven years. And Singles Awareness Day, that's what's going to happen. It always does. That's how it's going to roll. But those are the three things I like to do on Singles Awareness Day. I give you my three things I think make a good Valentine's Day. Typically, a movie dinner and a gift make good make for a good Valentine's Day. And Singles Awareness Day is Chris reading a book. Ordering some Portillos and watching Love is Evil by Christopher Titus because it makes me laugh. With that being said, you can follow the Facebook page for more updates around our show. I'll probably let you guys know when the, when the next episode is. 
I'm working with two of our previous fanatics to do a Harry Potter-based episode. I'm really looking forward to the episode. It won't be live stream because it's kind of hard to do with three people. It'll be a lot easier to do, just record and edit and put together like we normally do. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I know Tom is not a big Harry Potter fan, so I could not do this topic with with Tom present because he would not be all that helpful. And yeah, I make sure you have the, the comments, Mr. Thompson. Don't worry. I got your message. And if you have any questions, you reach out to us on the Facebook page or email us at Sports and More with CT. That's capital C, capital T, at, uh, uh, at gmail.com. We are going with this uh, email address. We don't get many emails. We still push it out there for you guys. And yes, Tom, I did see Paul's message about how he started this whole thing. It's kind of... It's hit or miss. We kind of both started at the same time, but we got to keep rolling. with. I know Tom started doing the single preview show, but you got to keep rolling without him, even though he is still with us with us in spirit. He's not dead, just killing, kidding people. I just put it that way just to uh, play play with Tom a little bit there. Yes, you can also go to our Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcast page to download this episode or any future episodes. Yes, I will put this episode out there. I will find a way. I don't know how, but it will get out there. And it will be on those platforms. And I would like to thank all of you, probably the tens and tens of people who listen to my ridiculous ramblings, antics, and everything from the Super Bowl to Valentine's Day to Singles Awareness Day. Thank you all for listening to this. The next episode of Creation Day is to be decided again, trying to figure out when I'm going to do the Harry Potter episode. And I probably want to do something in between then. But keep your eyes on the Facebook Facebook page. I will let you guys know what I'm thinking and what we're going to do for the next episode. But until then, stay safe and healthy. And congrats to Tom and Morgan, another child. And hopefully he's, he, he's a healthy baby and he's a lot of fun. Peace out. <laughs>